With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! Okay then, another squad announcement and another Hand and Roar podcast. It might not be the mouth-watering end to the campaign that we'd hoped for, but with the playoffs only four months away, Steve Clark needs to figure out his best loving and quickly. Joining me as usual is Tartan Army member and Media Scotland journalist Ben Ramage, but sitting alongside him and making his Hand and Roar debut is Tartan Scarf blogger Gordon Sheech. Have I said that correctly? Uh, almost, almost, <laughs> almost yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's Gordon Shiach. Gordon Shiach, like oh goodness, like a lot, yeah. very, very <laughs> Gordon Shiach, okay. Uh, so welcome Gordon, uh, hopefully the first of many appearances for you here, you've come prepared with spreadsheets and everything, putting me and Ben to, to shame you. <laughs> what can I say, what can I say, I've got a master's degree in Excel, so uh, <laughs> yeah, love it. Well I'm hoping that you two can provide some kind of York and Cole partnership there on the other side of the desk and bring the fruits of the labour to the table, so how are you both? Doing well, we're looking forward to the games. I think, even though, (laughs) as we say, yep, they're not the most glamorous ties, I think there's real importance of getting positive results in these going into the playoffs. If we can go in off the back of three wins, as given the previous form, I think that'll that'll be a massive going into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Gordon, positive? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Look, I mean, can you even imagine if the Nations League didn't exist right now? I mean, <laughs> if we were coming into these two games with literally nothing to play for apart from maybe finishing third, I mean, can you even imagine just the misery turning up to those games? <laughs> I mean, look, this is a huge, huge opportunity, as Ben said, to hit these two games, opportunity to go into the playoffs, three wins on the trot. That could be the momentum that takes us to the Euros. Well, there's one thing, well, one place only where I'd like to start, to be honest, and this is because of a poll that I put on the Hand and Roar Twitter account the other day. Ryan Jack, what is your preference? Starter, bench, not in squad. And there are 72 votes. 51% of people want him starting against Cyprus. Gordon, is there a place for him in our midfield? Well, look, I think we're not the kind of nation that's got enough players that can ignore players that are on such incredible form. And I think there's no question that Ryan Jack is having a truly excellent season for Rangers, not just in the SPFL Premiership, but also in the Europa League. So he's being tested at a very, very high level this season. My only issue with Ryan Jack is that if he's included in what we assume will be a midfield three for Steve Clark, that means that someone drops out. Now, I don't know who drops out. I mean... 
I I like Scott McTominay. I like what he does. I think he's he's been ever present. Played almost every minute for Manchester United this season in the Premier League. I don't know. You can make an argument for dropping him. John McGinn again. I mean, doing phenomenal things in the, in the English Premier League with Aston Villa. Can you make an argument for dropping him? Then you've got Callum McGregor up at Celtic. I mean, it's it's very difficult for me to know where he goes. You know, I think if um, if Ryan Jack is to play in the playoffs. I think he has to play at least one or both of these two games coming up, and that has to be there. Ben, who would you drop for Jack if that is the case? I wouldn't drop anyone. <laughs> for me, Ryan Jack doesn't get in the in this squad. I would have him on the bench. I think he is an influential player, and if you were, especially if you had a lead and you were looking to hold, I think he's very good uh, defensively, very solid. But for me, you can't put him ahead of Scott McTominay at the moment, given what he's doing for Man United. And again, you can't put him ahead of McGinn for me. Um, I know McGinn has had maybe a slow start to his Scotland career, but I think you look at him now at Aston Villa, he's really blossomed into an all-round you know, quality centre midfielder. I don't think Jack beats him. And for me, they will be the two that I would have sitting. And so for me, that puts Jack out of the picture. But I'm, I'm totally for him being in the squad, um, and you know, I'm sure he will get games for us. When you look at the other centre mids as well, McLean, Stuart Armstrong, John Fleck as well. I mean, John Fleck's a holder for Sheffield United isn't he Some, one of those two that kind of bursts forward in a similar vein to Jack is there a touch of myopia perhaps that we're seeing what Jack does on such a regular basis because he plays up here and maybe not seeing the the performances of Fleck or McLean on a, a regular basis down in England and realising how well they might be doing Gordon um, look I think the issue that we have, and it's an issue that we've had for a good number of years, especially in the midfield positions, is that we arguably have too many options, you know? And I think you've seen managers go for one player becomes flavour of the month, and then three weeks later it's a different player that's flavour of the month, and then they get a game, and then we shuffle the deck so often. I mean, I I look at Northern Ireland's team, and I look at so many of their players that have got 50, 60, 70, 80 caps at international level. Are they necessarily better players than we have? Maybe, maybe not. But are they a better international team? Yes, they arguably are because they play more together at that level. You know, I mean, you look at our our options, and I mean, a guy like Cal McGregor, great player. You know, twenty six years old, seventeen caps. You know, if he was Northern Irish, he'd have probably fifty plus by now. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's an issue for us. So, is there a case of we need to stick by certain players? So, if you look at McTominay and McGinn, they're young enough that they could reach those sort of levels. Do we just need to play them in these games? even if they do maybe have an off day like McGinn has had off days at Hamden but that doesn't make him a bad player mm-hmm. and arguably the more games he'll play in a Scotland shirt the more comfortable he'll feel the less pressure he feels and the more he plays as he can I, I definitely agree with Gordon's point that it's important to find a settled team and not bringing new players in yeah. and out just about every time there's a squad coming yeah. together mm-hmm. I, I think that at the moment there's not a case for dropping McTominay from midfield I think when you've got somebody and I know Man United aren't uh, at the top end of the table but he's performing well for one of the best, biggest clubs in the world under serious pressure every week and he's just been awarded player of the month started scoring goals when you pair him alongside McGinn in midfield who's hit, hit the ground running this season in the Premier League scoring goals as well he's getting analysis and droves from match of the day um, I think that those two are I would say certain to start and for me there's only one other position in midfield available and from what I've heard from the Scotland camp, Cal McGregor is Steve Clark's boy and will play just about every game. It's interesting because for me, it, is that playing us further forward or is that playing as part of the base? Because for me, Christie is ahead of him going forward. Yep, I've, I've got Christie down here to 
to chat about let's bring him in now then because I don't think you can make too much of a case for not playing Christie at right. the moment I, and I would honestly have Christie ahead of Ryan, eh, well Ryan Jack yes but I meant to say Cal McGregor for me I think you play Christie in that position behind the striker and McTominay and McGinn just yeah, behind that's exactly what I would do because I think he's got the creativity his finishing his passing his speed and it just the last few games everything about when he's played even in a Scotland shirt mm-hmm. he's just so positive he goes past people he tries things they don't always come off he did it against Belgium trying flicks trying little passes they don't always come off but if they do especially against the smaller teams that can be the difference mm-hmm. between winning and drawing so for me Christie would be in my starting well, 11 when Christie came off the bench against Russia Gordon mm-hmm. he, he seemed to lift the whole team on by himself for the last 15 minutes and I know we didn't threaten the goal too much but we were breaking forward and trying to carve out opportunities when Christie mm-hmm. came onto the park. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think as soon as we, almost as soon as we scored the goal against Russia when McGinn opened the scoring, the whole team just suddenly just slowly just shrunk further and further back towards our own goal and we got more and more and more negative. But as soon as Christie came on, Christie was a bright spark. He would take the ball in, he would instantly he would turn upfield. He wasn't always looking for that square pass, looking to play back. And he'd run with it as well. He can run and drive with the ball. And, you know, you look at his form for Celtic, I mean... From a guy from midfield with 12 goals and 7 assists and we're what middle of November mm-hmm. I mean you can't ignore form like that mm-hmm. but also I think if you're making the argument for Christie you almost sort of simultaneously make an argument for Cal McGregor because I mean if we remember when like you know Euro 2016 qualifying part and World Cup 2018 qualifying Strachan really hit on a, a fine run of form when he just played all the Celtic players and lo and behold players that play together every single week they train together every day they know each other's game best and they play mm-hmm. together the best yeah. so maybe there's an element of that as well and that would probably leave John McGinn out the team <sighs> but you can't unless you played Christy White you could play Christy White well, perhaps, well, against, but... against, against mm-hmm. San Marino at home Ryan Christie did seem to sort of be playing almost right wing mm-hmm. I mean he cut in a bit but he did seem to sort of occupy that mm-hmm. right midfield mm-hmm. position I mean he looked great I mean look it's the, it's the worst team in the world how many conclusions can you draw but he can do it he's on great form mm-hmm. one thing I would say about McGregor is that he hasn't always turned up in the Scotland shirt it doesn't always look like exactly the same player that he is driving forward for Celtic so is there an element that Christie has performed better in a Scotland shirt well, already we've got it in black and white in front of us in Gordon's spreadsheet Cal McGregor 17 caps no goals or assists Christie only 9 caps no goals but has set up 5 goals to me, if I had to pick between them at the moment, Christie plays. Yeah. I mean, look, I've, I, I don't know if you guys have seen this. I've, I've seen some chat online about people suggesting that Ryan Christie could play false nine for Scotland. Mm. Uh, mm. I'm not I'm not sure about that. But again, we've got these two games. Do we want to try something? I certainly think he needs to be the further, furthest forward midfield player mm. if, yeah. if we're playing with one up top. We need somebody that's mobile and somebody that can get through a defence by himself yeah. as well, run, this, mm-hmm. run the channels. You know, I think he's... I mean, the issue the issue we certainly had against Russia at home is that there was no one within 20 yards of the central striker for most of the game. And, like, I don't care who's playing it in, in, in that central striking role. If they don't have any supply, they don't have anyone to, to play off or flick onto, they're not going to do anything. So we need somebody, and if it's going to be Ryan Christie, then fantastic. We need somebody closer to the striker. Yeah, I think no, that would be a big help. Yeah. Do you think the wide positions are nailed down, probably Fraser and Forrest? Unlikely to be for some time. We'll see. Look, I, I think this this plays back into the conversation we were just having about do we do we choose players that we think are the best players in their position, the best players of the country, 
and stick with that team going forward irregardless of what's happening mm. at club level with their form because right now I don't know form this season if you can make an argument for Ryan Fraser mm-hmm. starting he's uh, been in and out of the Scotland. Bournemouth team hasn't yeah, he I mean there's been only of, 836 minutes for yeah. Bournemouth in the yeah. league I mean there's, there's there's been talk of illness he's obviously out of, out of contract at the end of the, end of the season so he had that you know, link with Arsenal been, as well that's maybe played into his head a wee yeah. bit and taken his but then, away but then you can't forget that last season which is you know only six and a bit months ago it was only Eden Hazard had more assists in the Premier League <laughs> yeah. than Ryan Fraser so you know he is a phenomenal player mm-hmm. so I, I would say we should stick with him mm-hmm. yeah I would stick with Fraser again there's an element of Forrest we've touched on it when he hasn't always looked like the same player as he has for Scotland but I'd say again his form this season has been, has been pretty I good. know uh, it's again, it's like Christy it's hard to ignore as far as uh, Forrest is concerned he's scoring goals he's setting up goals mm-hmm. but why when he puts on a Scotland jersey does he look like he's never been in a right wing before <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's the most frustrating thing for me and I'm not sure if it is just some players deal with the Hamden sort of pressure cooker better you know at Celtic everyone's with him but at Hamden there's just an element of you know the Tartan Army we're all behind them but there's always an element of like it's a lot of judging and there's a mm-hmm. lot of like why are we not getting mm-hmm. through this team and Fra- uh, Forrest sorry, is one that people look to and say you're beating your man every week you know why are you not doing it you know for us right now so I, I don't know if certain players and Christy might be one that just deal better with that pressure they just don't seem to feel it as mm-hmm. much yeah. and they just play their natural game well bear in mind though bear in mind when it came to those last two games of the Nations League you know away against Albania and then at home against Israel James Forrest popped up with five goals in two games so I mean those were absolute crunch qualifiers two games to guarantee us this playoff he stepped up he did it so maybe maybe he might not have done it in the 20 odd five caps he'd had before that he did it when it mattered so when it comes to these playoffs in March that that feels good to me does he have enough credit in the bank then to be trusted going forward is it that is it the fact that he's actually got us this himself (laughs) (laughs) almost literally single-handedly so you know is it quite harsh to leave him out yeah I mean I would maybe play him for these next two games and see see I'm I'm, I'm under no doubt that Forrest will play on the right wing against Mm -hmm. Cyprus and I'm certain Mm -hmm. that Fraser Mm -hmm. will be on the other one partly due to the fact that there's not really much competition now Snodgrass is retirement probably a reason for that Uh, I was always in the pro snod camp mm-hmm. with yeah. regards to him playing on the right wing ahead of yeah. Forrest but that that's argument's just not there anymore. Yeah. Snodgrass's retirement, how does it sit with you, Gordon? Uh, look, I mean I think I think Robert Snodgrass has been a really, really good player for Scotland. You know, he's scored some important goals. Mm-hmm. I mean the, probably the thing we always talk about is that the thing we've lacked in recent years has been a real statement victory at international level. The last one you would probably say was the away game against Croatia when mm-hmm. they were ranked third in the world. It was Robert Snodgrass who stepped up with the goal. And even going beyond what he does on the pitch, I mean, you know, you talk to players that, that come up away for Scotland camps, you know, they go away for 10 days at a time in hotels and whatever. You need guys like Robert Snodgrass yeah. who make it an enjoyable experience because going away and losing can't be that much fun but with a guy like Robert Snodgrass like he's a great guy to have in the dressing room I've heard from within the camp actually that this has got really nothing to do with letting the next generation of players through and feeling like it's the the right time for him to step aside I think that's just a bit of PR from the SFA um, because it makes no sense for Snodgrass to, to retire right now exactly with um, the playoff just a few months yeah. away would you really come back and then step aside a couple of months later yeah. after a few he's, years he's, 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 only, he's, he's only 32 he's in the West Ham team uh, 
in and out of it I think it's fair to say he's mm-hmm. contributed recently scored a couple of goals in the yeah. Premier League um, and we've got a playoff to get to our first major tournament in over 20 years mm-hmm. even if Snodgrass and I think he will regret this decision come March even if Snodgrass phones up Steve Clark and says that he's changed his mind and he wants to be involved see if we do win these two games against Cyprus and Kazakhstan how can Steve Clark justify bringing him back in mm-hmm. that, that just sends out the wrong message Ben mm-hmm. doesn't it I, well, it was interesting we were talking about Stephen Fletcher as well earlier mm-hmm. I think it's that another one where you think right we're, we've actually qualified now do you bring in your best players <laughs> if you would argue that they're your best players if it gives you a chance of getting through mm-hmm. a group it's a tough one a lot of what Clark has said though which I've really liked is that he wants people that are really committed that will come mm-hmm. whether we win lose or draw whoever the opposition is it's about building that sort of domestic team mentality where you're all in it together and I, I, like you say I think that just flies in the face of it if mm-hmm. he says right on you come back in mm-hmm. um, I think he had his chance I think this was his chance to get back in and I think he's actually he's kind of blown it which is a real shame because I really like Snodgrass um, but I, I don't think he can justify bringing him back in now do you have a similar mindset, Gordon? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, Steve, Steve Clark was very clear. You know, you watched his, his press conference when he was unveiled as Scotland manager, and he said, look, I don't really care what's come before this. As far as I'm concerned, the slate is clean for every single player. Whoever wants to come, you're welcome. You can come. But if you don't fancy it, that's fine. And no hard feelings. So it'll be interesting to see how he deals with this going forward. But you're right, it does seem... <sighs> an interesting decision when we're still very much in with a chance of qualifying for a first major tournament in 22 years and we're six months away from that and that's when you choose to call it a day if if he'd made this decision at the end of March or beginning of April once we've been beaten in the playoffs I don't think it would be anywhere near as controversial but with these games round the corner and a chance to really state your claim for a place in the the team going into these games why why would you pull out I, I, I don't and from what I understand and from what I've heard he doesn't think that it's because he should be letting the, the next generation through I, I really I, I think he will but I really hope he doesn't live to regret this for a long time if Scotland if Scotland qualify well you think we might have games at Hamden you know, he, he would literally be watching on the telly surely if he, you know, still be playing for West Ham at that point surely he'll be thinking I should be there yeah. so. let's discuss our options up front then the four names aren't exactly leaping off the squad sheet at me. Ollie Burke, Stephen Naismith, McBurney and Shankland. I think that the inclusion of Nasey is a goodwill gesture, considering he's only one cap away from 50. I would expect him to get a game against Kazakhstan at hand and mm-hmm. applause from the fans. Thanks for everything you've done, because he's not Ben, you're a Hearts fan. He's not really featured too much this season, has he? He hasn't, but I would, with my Hearts glasses on, I would still argue that he is technically probably our best striker but if you look at his goal scoring but, oh, exactly this is the issue he, you know he came on against Rangers but uh, sorry in the Betfred League Cup semi just there but he hasn't been playing you know he obviously is injured and so I think for this for these two I think it is for your reason that you know you'll get him in the, the Hall of Fame um, although sorry if I, if, I, if I can just butt in though it is the, it is the role of honour oh, right. <laughs> and the Hall of Fame is the where players are nominated and then considered right, right, right. Sorry, sorry, it's yeah. the role so of honour the, 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 the 50 miles yeah. um, <laughs> but I would still say going forward to the playoffs if he is fit and he is scoring for Hearts then I would say that he is oh, yeah, he should still very much be considered a different argument at that time mm-hmm. at the moment I, I, th- I can't think of any reason other than why he's been included for uh, sorry, I can't think of any reason why he's been included apart from to give him his 50th well, I mean, 
if you look at his goals, and that's not, I, I'm not begrudging that at all. I'm happy to see him there. I hope he does get his fiftieth, but I don't think he's going to play a big part over the next two games anyway. Well, I think I think do you know what? Like this is a you know it's a it's a 25 man squad and only 11 players can start a match. So I mean, what I'm always fascinated about is that in these groups, there's always there's roles for players that go beyond what happens on the pitch. And I mean, if you look at the amount of caps that these players have got in this yeah, squad, fair. there's a fair. real serious experience deficit. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stephen Naismith is far and away the most experienced mm-hmm. player at international level. I mean, only you know James Forrest and uh, Andy Robertson and uh, David Marshall have got 30 plus caps for Scotland. So I mean he's coming into the group as a guy who's been there he's seen it he's done it at international Mm -hmm. level and I think when the mentality of the squad is going to be so important over these games like these are huge huge crunch pressure games to have a guy in the dressing room who's been there seen it done it lived these experiences I think that's a huge benefit yeah and absolutely I I didn't really consider that properly actually I think when you do look at the the caps and when one of them is your goalie to have three outfield players to have more than 30 30 caps and Robertson and Forrest are only just over that hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think experience over ultimately is an important part of the setup. He's a leader as well. He he sets the standard. You saw it when Hearts had that really bad start to the season. He he drives the team forward. He sets yeah. a sort of work rate mm-hmm. ethic that I think Clark will be thinking. I need that in my team. He's very I much think. when you see him when you see him play for Hearts, especially not not just with the younger players, but with with all the players. Aye. He's he's the manager on the pitch. Aye. You know, you go to a game at Tynecastle, you hear him barking yeah. instructions yeah, exactly. for the full ninety minutes at everybody. So I mean, yeah. he he sets standards. I think which I think is yeah. important. Would you give Shankland another start, Gordon? <sighs> well, look, the issue. The wider issue that I've got with these two games coming up is that I, I wrote a piece for my for my website, the, the tartanscarf.com, um, looking ahead to to the playoff squad and who should be starting for Scotland in the in the playoffs in March. So as far as I'm concerned, these two games coming up should really be as close to dress rehearsals for those playoffs as possible. So who should be playing in those games? And it's with the central striker position, that's the biggest challenge that I've got. Because, I mean, yes, a guy like, like Lauren Shankland, he's on phenomenal goal-scoring form for Dundee United, but do we know how that's going to translate into playing international football at the highest level in big pressure games? I, I, I just don't know. You know, I honestly just don't know. So we could play him. He's on great form right now. How that translates to March, I don't know, is the honest answer. Mm-hmm. Ben, how do you feel about Shanklin? I think he did enough on his... Um, was it his debut the last San Marino, game? Yeah, his first start. I think yeah, came off the bench. Off the bench. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, he got his goal, which you'd sort of hope for against... He couldn't really have missed it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you know, his positioning and his instinctive finishing, we've spoken about, I don't think we have an awful lot of strikers that have that. So for me, whether it's international level or in the championship, I just think he, he gets in the right areas... He drags centre-backs out of position. He knows when to make runs into the six-shot box, when to hold back. That doesn't change for me that much. So I would probably give him these two games as a dress rehearsal, as you say. These are big, you know, these are big games. We want to get some form going. Um, you know, you just don't know if he could score another couple. You know, we could actually get a, a young striker confident and you know, looking forward to coming to Scotland. You're not just going to play up front and lose. You might actually be scoring winners. That might just get in his head. You know, he was very close to moving to the Premier League in the summer. So, for me, I would say he's a Scottish Premiership level striker at the moment. Anyway, regardless of the division. Mm-hmm. So, if he if he continues scoring as he is, I th- I think it's perfectly perfectly fine to play him. I think we touched on this in the last squad podcast, Ben. Shanklin's inclusion is probably with a view to him getting a move in the summer mm-hmm. at a higher level, and therefore Clark being able to 
justify his inclusion no questions asked mm-hmm. presuming that he starts scoring goals for his yep. new club I, th- I think that he's probably worth having around the squad to get familiar with his midfielders to get familiar mm-hmm. with Forrest and Fraser try and build some sort of link with them so that when he does get his move say to whether it's to English Championship or for a team the Scottish Prem that he's able to seamlessly come into the yeah. squad and hopefully be the main man going yeah. forward for Scotland provided the Lee Griffiths I don't personally hold out much hope for Griffiths getting back to the top of his game but provided Griffiths is still at largely out of the picture mm-hmm. uh, at club level which I think actually is why the inclusion of Shankland is completely different to the conversation that was, was that was had for a bit about Stephen Dobie even though the circumstances are maybe similar you've got a player on red hot form in the Scottish Championship but Stephen Dobie's at the far end of his career you know what you've got with him and like you said Shankland has a ceiling that he has not reached yet that he has higher peaks mm-hmm. to climb league-wise and could you not make that argument about McBurney though who is actually younger than Shankland you know McBurney has scored in the championship for Barnsley and for Sheffield United Mm. and he has now got his big move Uh, he's 23 I I just I feel like we're quite harsh on McBurney if he he was if he was well he is a young Scottish player you know there's no I just feel like we should be a bit more positive about him I know he hasn't had the best start to his Mm. his uh, his campaigns mm. you know, for Scotland but I think he has got a lot of potential and you saw when he, when he had a striker on next to him towards the end of the games when he had that link player he mm. suddenly looked a much better player I think he's a lot more clever with little touches and little passes than people give him credit for um, so I, I certainly wouldn't discount him going forward I, I, don't, I don't think McBurney will be a castaway for Scotland by any stretch of the imagination I, I do think and perhaps I'm judging a wee bit early here but I think McBurney is going to be one of those players for the majority of his career that is really good in the English Championship but not quite good enough mm. to be playing in the English Premier League people like maybe Are you talking about Jordan Rhodes? Like Jordan Rhodes <laughs> or Cameron Jerome people yeah. like that you know yeah. they'll, they'll mm. score goals uh, season in season out mm. in the English Championship but when their team gets promoted or they get signed by somebody in the Premier League they mm. can't quite mm. cut the mustard and I think that McBurney's probably one of those players I know he's young and got a lot mm. of learning and improving to do I'm sure he will be a good yeah. player for us at some point but I'm not sure at the moment he's ready to the ground running with us but you see I think you made, you made a really interesting point there Ben when you mentioned about how McBurney looked better when he had someone that came on that played closer and played up alongside him and I think that for me I think McBurney is a very good striker but not in the sort of team that Scotland are you know he's good in a sort of like you said like an English team that maybe are going to play with two strikers mm-hmm. but we're never going to play that way so that's the challenge that I've got with McBurney. That I agree with you that there's definitely a player, there's, there's definite talent. I don't really like the fact that he's seen as a lightning rod for criticism. I think unfairly because people don't like he rolls down his socks, people don't like his beard, people don't like that he's too skinny. I mean, these are all unfair criticisms, yeah. but that makes him a target for criticism. But I, I'm just not sure that he fits into the way that Scotland play football. Well, we were talking about Fletcher earlier coming deep to, to like the play. When I look at McBurney and I look at Fletcher, I think you can't be that dissimilar. <laughs> if we're looking for somebody to come in and do what Stephen Fletcher has been able to do over the years, drop deep link to play, bring the winners wingers into play, mm-hmm. should McBurney be capable of that? I think Fletcher was underestimated, though, as we spoke about uh, his quality in coming back and receiving the ball and turning players in. His passing is very good, his hold-up play is very good. I think just because he didn't score very many goals, he was harshly really harshly criticised to the point now where he won't actually come back and play for us mm. which is actually 
has just totally gone against us mm-hmm. because now we're going into these games you'd have to fancy that he would do a job on the teams mm-hmm. that we're going to play especially yeah. in the playoff yeah. which is not going to be an England or Holland as it has been yeah. his team's much more at our level and Fletcher could have had a massive impact on those yeah. and he's, so actually, he's not available anymore Fair to say if Fletcher was up for playing for Scotland at the moment he would be our starting striker no questions asked I think so I eh? think of his yeah. caps and his goals and yeah. what he also brings to the team as well mm-hmm. um, yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was it was it was the day after. I think we got we got beaten by Russia at Hamden. I think it was Jordan Campbell for the Athletic wrote a really really good piece about the sort of recent history of Scotland's central striker position, mm-hmm. and it basically showed that it doesn't really matter who you are or how you're playing. Playing that central striker role for Scotland is lonely and mainly miserable and not very rewarding because mm-hmm. you're not going to get many chances. You're not going to see much of the goal. You're not going to score many goals, and therefore people will criticise you because you don't score goals. I, I don't understand, though, and I know you're more of a tactician than, than I am, certainly, so shed some light if possible. I don't understand why the Scotland central striker won't get chances if our wingers are Forrest and Fraser, if they're on form, and then John McGinn and Ryan Christie, for example, or Callum mm-hmm. McGregor coming forward from midfield, Andy Robertson on one wing, uh, one fullback position. Mm-hmm. Why would a striker not get sights of goal in that? with those players in the team that's what I don't understand and I want to see happen no you're right you're, you're, you're absolutely right and with the, with the best will in the world those players coming together should be able to produce some incredible results you know but maybe there is something just subconsciously on a mental level that just holds our players back when they when they play at Hamden when they play for Scotland I mean like we referenced earlier the, the, the home game against Russia we go a goal ahead and then all of a sudden, the team just creeps back in on itself until before you know it, we're defending 10 yards outside our own box. And lo and behold, we concede. And what really worried me after that was that both Steve Clark and Andy Robertson said that they couldn't really explain why that happened. That's really worrying. I, I, I think there's a winning mentality problem with yeah. our team. I think a lot of our players aren't used to winning most of their games and therefore don't really know how to deal with with that expectation that comes with playing for Scotland but especially bear in mind and this this is something that I, I keep reminding myself of as, as, as I feel myself get too optimistic or too encouraged by what Steve Clark could do with this group of players is I have to remind myself that arguably Scotland's worst result in our recent history recent memory possible entire history happened in this calendar year we got beaten 3-0 in Kazakhstan this calendar year I mean you can't overstate that like We've come, we've had a long way to come back, and we're almost there. And now we've got a chance to do something positive. But we've come up from a real bad place. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, like a sta- it's like the most standing start you could really have. You know, that <laughs> yeah. was as, that was pretty much as low as it as it would get. The yeah. boring thing for me, especially when you look at someone like Andy Robertson, because you're saying about oh they haven't got a winning mentality for Scotland, but he's won the Champions League with Liverpool. So well, how is he well, not well, bringing that to the squad and and? putting that through as captain to his fellow players you know that we are good enough that we can win this how is that not there even in the slightest I mean he looked like he hadn't kicked a ball when he was playing against Russia yeah I, I think the squad as a whole though I mean I'll run through some of the teams that we've got here uh, Motherwell Sheffield Wednesday Aberdeen Kelly Villa Norwich Southampton uh, Bournemouth again Sheffield United again Hearts I mean these aren't teams that are winning Weekend or not even weekend, week out, winning the majority of their games. Mm-hmm. I think, and going back to the start of the 2000s, mid 2000s, uh, when it was uh, Smith and McLeish and Craig Brown, probably as well, we'll ignore the 
votes here even though we got to a playoff. I think a lot of the, the players were coming from, and I'm not just singling out the old from here for praise, but they were coming from the Celtic and Rangers where they had that drive because they had to win every week. The squad was littered with players from Celtic and Rangers that knew when they turned up to play a game of football they had no option but to give everything and win the game. And it didn't always work out like that for Scotland, but I think that's a reason for why the team was so close in 2007 because that campaign was full of players that were used to winning games of football and it's the complete opposite now. I would say, the, for me, the biggest difference is the defence. I just think our defence at the moment, we just do not have... There's so little quality, especially in the centre-backs, and that is just such a big position in international football. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look, so many games are won from set-pieces, just from, from one running behind, and you have to have the centre-backs that can deal with that. And I just don't... When you look at our centre-backs at the moment, it's just chalk and cheese mm-hmm. from when we were you know, qualifying for tournaments. Good news that... Cooper's back in though I think uh, even though we were beaten comfortably I think he impressed Gordon yeah yeah 100% and look I've been sort of chomping at the bit to see him play for Scotland for a good while and the fact that he was always touted for squads then not included it made you maybe think it's there something in the background does he actually does he not fancy this is he up for it but now he's here and he's playing for us I mean you know he's a guy I mean how how old is he he's you know he's 28 years old He's the captain of Leeds United, and you talk about teams with ex- expectation. Mm-hmm. Leeds United are expected to do big things, mm-hmm. and he leads that team. He plays every game for them. Yeah. I mean, what experience to bring into our into our mm-hmm. um, centre back pairing, you know? And I, I was I was reminiscing earlier today actually because I saw him. Russell Martin is obviously retired and yeah. become manager at NK Dons, and I mean, you know, he played every game for us when we were almost almost qualified for Euro 2016, and mm-hmm. he was a really convincing player yeah. you know, he was a guy you'd get behind and you would really you'd back to do well every game mm-hmm. you know would you partner I, I think it's fair to say Cooper mm-hmm. is the first defender no central defender on the I team sheet say, yeah. anyway would you partner him with McKenna or Gallagher or even Michael Devlin it's a tough one I think McKenna for me at his age has the most potential to be a Scotland international centre back so for me I would keep playing him in the sort of hope that he will grow into the role, he'll grow into the shirt a bit. Um, Gallagher's sort of at the other end of his career. I'm not 100% if he is going to be good enough in the next couple of years to really improve. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think Liam Cooper could be a good partner for Scott McKenna. I mean, if you look at Scott McKenna's earlier caps, sometimes he was being partnered by David Bates. And I mean... I know we've all we've all played football manager where you just put all your highest potential young players in the team and watch them grow, but that's not how real life works. And you know, having two central centre backs who are you know twenty one and twenty two, that was possibly a recipe for disaster. But yeah. I mean, having a guy with the experience of Liam Cooper alongside Scott McKenna, that could bring out the best in him mm-hmm. at centre back. One one player that I see often uh, at Kelly is Finlay, and I think that mm-hmm. he is a bit already a better player than McKenna. I would his have. injury is a real that, shame that, because I think he would have been in this squad I'm 100% certain he would have been in the squad yeah. Finlay yeah. was fit and probably challenging for yeah. a starting spot alongside yeah. Cooper because I think Cooper is a stick on to yeah. play I, I've, and I, I've been so impressed with Finlay because for a couple of seasons and before Clark I thought mm, not too sure about this guy mm-hmm. but he's come on leaps and bounds and I know it was San Marino but he was commanding mm-hmm. uh, scored a goal He's didn't, doing he really get, didn't he get an assist as well? He, he, he nodded McGinn's one of McGinn's down <laughs> yeah, for him as well. Right, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, a, a goal and an assist from centre half, <laughs> and a clean sheet. I mean, <laughs> and he's, he's been doing 
really, really well for Kelly and a team that are in a bit of transition at the moment. For me, if he was fit, he'd be in alongside Cooper, I think. Well, we, and I know I've had a lot of things to say about McKenna, and this is not <laughs> a vendetta against him, but I, I think that I think, yeah, I think that Finley's a more reliable centre half than McKenna. McKenna's form hasn't as hasn't been as strong this season either, so I think your your argument is more <laughs> yeah. more grounded this time. No, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, McKenna certainly had a, had an injury earlier in the season, didn't he? That he's only sort of just mm-hmm. shaken off, so he's he's, he's missed the Scotland squads in this in this season but I mean as I've said before if you're looking ahead to the playoffs and beyond who's going to be the centre half pairing I think you need to be putting them in now and just playing them because mm-hmm. I think we certainly yeah. had we had success for a while when it was just when it, I think Russell Martin and Grant Hanley they played every game and they may not have been the best centre halves in the world but by playing every game they got better together yeah. mm-hmm. you know or even before that when it was David Weir and Gary Caldwell again they just get better by playing together more. Yeah. So, you know, let's. I think it, for me, it has to be Cooper and McKenna. Play them mm. now and play them in March. Yep. Let them become Does familiar that count with if each other. Is fit. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Ben. I just wanted to throw that one out. I think because I do have high hopes for Suter. I w- I think mm-hmm. probably I would say McKenna is defensively stronger, but I do think Suter will be involved going forward because. He's a real talent. Let's quickly touch on Stuart Armstrong before we finish. For me, there's still nobody in the Scotland squad that can play the way Stuart Armstrong does, but um, is there a case to play him in these couple of games? Ben, if we're going on minutes played and how well he's doing at his club... I think Christie's actually overtaken. I think Christie's overtaken him in that playmaker role. If you're gonna have I, I would agree, but I, I mean more in the sense of somebody who can break the lines of... An opposition's midfield and defence and glide forward yeah. and really grab a game by the scruff of the neck. I think Christie can do that. I think, but McGinn, I think Armstrong I think McGinn and him are can different. Do that. McGinn can do that as well. I think I think he's been overtaken a little bit. Which... I, would, I would agree, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I'm actually yeah. surprised Armstrong's made the squad, if I'm being honest. He's very talented. He's really, really I, good. I, I love, I'd say I love Armstrong. I think he's great. Right. And I love the way that he plays football, that he's a, a great centre mid, scores goals, creates goals, can mm-hmm. uh, kind of dictate. The planes in centre mid at times, but if you're not performing week in week out at your club, unless you're Gareth Bale for Wales, I mean, can you really? I think Clark knows. Justify it? I think Clark knows his quality, and he knows that if we're if there's 20 minutes to go and it's nil nil, we need a goal. I think he is one that can come on, and no matter how much he's played, you know, his touch is good, his yeah. passing is good. Yeah. I think he can rely on him. I yeah. think he's that yeah. level of player. Agreed, Gordon. Oh, 100. Yeah, look, I, th- I think there there are definitely match situations in the last 15-20 minutes of games whether either if we're if we're defending a lead and you need someone to rotate possession and keep, keep the ball or you need someone like you said to come on break the lines play a through ball down the channel he's a perfect guy to bring off the bench and you're right I think the minutes played I mean what he's got 260 minutes this season for us I mean Brian Christie's got over uh, sorry uh, Cal McGregor's got over 2,000 minutes this season I don't think that can merit starting games for Scotland but 100% with the talent he's got he has to be in the squad yeah. and as an option off the bench Good Right well that covers just about every base then Gordon Ben thanks very much for coming on the Hampton Roar we'll get one done in between now and the playoffs just to sort of tide things over and see how everyone's doing please bring your spreadsheets again Gordon they've been a, a great help <laughs> well, yes, so uh, yes thanks very much for tuning into the Hampton Roar again you are listening to Gordon Shiach Shiach Shiach. 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 Gordon. Gordon Shiach. <laughs> ben Ramage and myself, Andy Varsh. All right, till next time.
Social Podcast Network.